Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode of the Adventure Jogger podcast brought to you by David Moser, Najee Husseini, Scott Randall, Travis Lokar, and Joseph Oso Bears, and of course, all of our Patreon supporters, and you, yes, you, the person listening to this podcast right now. The Adventure Jogger, a podcast about trail and ultra running. Meet fascinating runners from the front, middle, and back of the pack, sharing inspiring and funny stories about life and running. Running should be fun, and so should running podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Pluckelman, and this is The Adventure Jogger. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Adventure Jogger. You know, I will never let a difference in political opinion stand in the way of a great friendship. As a matter of fact, my goal of this podcast is to have you guessing what is my political affiliation because I really don't think that's important and I don't ever want to push anything on anybody because I think what, what unites us in our love of trails is far greater than any political arguments we could have. So I want to say that to preface with this discussion that we have on this episode of the Adventure Jogger with Canyon Woodward. He's from North Carolina, went to Harvard, trail and ultra runner. He's a political strategist, and his brother filmed him in a new, really wonderful short film called Rural Runners. It's a documentary that follows Canyon as, you know, he runs, does ultras, he does scar at some point during this, doesn't quite go his way, uh, but his friend Chloe decides that she's going to run for state office in her home state of Maine and asks Canyon to be her uh, campaign manager. We talk about the parallels between the two, how he used ultra running to kind of clear his, his mind during all of this, uh, uh, the politics, the campaigning, the doors being slammed in his face, and a really interesting conversation about community and the power of the trail and ultra running community, and of course, politics on a smaller level. A really great, thought-provoking conversation with a really awesome guy named Canyon Woodward on this episode of the Adventure Jogger. All right, Canyon, first of all, the short film Rural Runners was not what I was expecting in a very good way. I really, really enjoyed the film. Oh, man. Thanks, Ryan. It was such a labor of love by, by my older brother, Forrest. Yeah, working with your brother. We'll talk about that in a minute. I kind of thought before we get into just the the short film 
the story behind that film, how you got mixed up in all of that stuff. Kind of start with the Canyon Woodward story. Canyon, they, they touch on this in the in the film, but I, I want to kind of hear from you, and you can expand on it a little bit. What is your running story? How did you get into the world of trail and ultra running? Yeah, great question. I, I mean, def- I grew up outdoors from a young age as the baby of um, a bunch of kids just running around in my siblings' footsteps trying to keep up <laughs> was the uh, baseline level. But I, you know, I did some cross training for rec soccer and tennis as a kid. And then it wasn't until um, junior year of high school in my history class, my history teacher was a cross country coach. She's also an amazing ultra runner. Um, she got me to come out and run cross country junior and senior year. So that was my first, um, first taste of some competitive running and also through osmosis from her, um, first kind of realization that this long, long distance stuff exists. Um, and I dabbled a little bit in college trying my first couple of 50 Ks, which went hilariously awful. Um, I think I started eating dirt on the, on the first one before I dropped out. <laughs> well, wait, there's a lot to unpack here, Canyon. There's a lot to unpack. First of all, you know, junior in high school, you've got the world figured out at this point. You've gotten into all your patterns. You've got your friends. You know what sports you like. And to have your history teacher go, listen, Here's a here's a here's a, a cross country jersey. You don't have an option. You are on the cross country team. That that's that's probably that's the first. That's the first story like that I've heard on the podcast Canyon. It was a funny situation. It was it started out really as a joke. It was like uh she was trying to get me to come No, she was trying to get my my best friend to come out. He was like, "Well, I would only do it if canyon did it and then someone else was like well i'd only do it if nick did it and then there's this whole string as at the front of it so i had all this peer pressure i was like oh okay i guess i'll go out there no nobody else joined me but (laughs) (laughs) so so you're like okay i'll do it guys if you do it and then you show up to practice and your buddies bailed on you (laughs) exactly but (laughs) i had a good time (laughs) so but, but it sounds like canyon and I mean this in the nicest way, so don't please don't take this the wrong way. You grew up in what some people would describe as kind of a, a hippie household, very, very worldly, very outdoors, very love of nature, that sort of thing. Um, so and you grew up in, in Franklin, North Carolina, and you were there in the mountains. You may not have ran organized sports, but surely you've done some running in the mountains up at this point in your life just as a casual this is what i'm going to do yeah you mean in that before high school school. before high school yeah before high school you'd done some running i'm sure through the mountains at some point yeah yeah uh pretty unavoidable where where we grew up you know we can see the appalachian trail from the mailbox and we're right on the edge of the great smokies which has all kinds of trails um so yeah yeah. All right. So high school, your first race, how did it go going from nothing to now you've got to run as fast as you can for 3.1 miles? <laughs> yeah, it was a funny experience. I had no, no idea what to expect. I, I had um, 
yeah, I'd run a 5k on a treadmill maybe like a few weeks before just to see kind of like get the gist of it but that was the only time that i'd, I'd run three miles before at least and, and measured it this is going to uh, be but, exactly the same me and a treadmill at a gym is going to be exactly the same as a cross-country meet <laughs> totally um oh man it was a who i i i fell pretty bad once and um and i'm i'm pretty sure i threw up during the race <laughs> at least at the end of the race <laughs> um, i had absolutely no idea what place i was in i thought i was in like 30th 40th something like that and i crossed the finish line and i got a medal uh for like fifth place or something and i was like okay heck yeah sign me up <laughs> wow so you vomit you fall and you still come in fifth place overall in this cross country meet your first time out. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> when you said you thought you were in 30th place, all I'm thinking is your history teacher going like, I never should have invited that Canyon kid out to the cross country. <laughs> but I can see now as, as you're finishing in fifth place after you'd thrown up and you'd fallen over, she's like, I'm really glad I made this Canyon kid come out for the team. <laughs> <laughs> totally um uh, yeah and she really got me hooked on running she's just awesome she does 100 plus mile mile efforts um and boy the the long distance stuff is just a whole a whole new world and never never would have even crossed my mind to get into it if it weren't for her i don't think so it sounds like she was kind of a running mentor to you yeah totally so you follow her, you, you get out of high school, she convinces you to try some ultra marathons, you do your first 50K, and then you, you glance over quickly how it, and we know how it ended, spoiler alert everybody, <laughs> Canyon DNF'd and ate some dirt. Um, <laughs> how, how, did that, how did that first 50K go before it went so bad? <laughs> um, you know, I felt like it was going pretty good up until, up until it just was going really, really bad. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I was just kind of cooking along, had no idea how to pace myself, but just thought I should try and run pretty fast. And then, yeah, I just hit a wall so bad. I was going uphill and there was a log kind of like waist level across the path and i just draped myself over it <laughs> my arms were hanging down towards the trail i was like mm, that trail looks kind of tasty <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, so bad first experience and so many times people will just say okay that didn't work out i'm gonna find something else but you obviously didn't get up you, you give up because you, you tried it again didn't you yeah went back Ran nice and slow, finished my first one. That was fun. Um, yeah, and then really post-college, um, my, my my brother Forrest was working on a on a film about long distance running. Yeah. He's getting into it, so I really dove in at that at that point. Let's take a trip back to college for a second because you really kind of and the, and the thing about the film rural runners is it really kind of shows you know how you use running to 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 keep your sanity while you're running this political campaign for mm -hmm. your for your dear friend chloe who is taking on this monumental task and this is what i kind of thought the parallels were nice is you know ultra running ordinary people take on this monumental task of 
you know, whether they're running their first, you know, 50K or, or, or 50 miler or decide to run 100 or even beyond. It's people towing the line, knowing that there are odds against them. They have a monumental task ahead of them. And there is a rather large risk for failure. And mm-hmm. what your friend Chloe did, Chloe Maximum um, from Maine, she did near what she decided to do was nearly the same. She decides to run for the 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 state representative for Maine in her district, a very rural district, as a young woman who is a environmental activist was not of the party that had won that seat for years and years and years and years and years. She had a monumental task ahead of her, very similar to the monumental task that you and so many of us ultra runners uh, take on when we decide to train and we, we tow that, that start line. But what kind of brought you, before we get into that, you go to college, you go to Harvard, you meet Chloe at Harvard and and. Does that kind of is, is is it there that spawns your interest in in politics? Yeah, it was. I was so so disinterested before that. Um, I think disinterested probably isn't even a strong enough negative word for it. <laughs> um, just wanted nothing to do with electoral politics, and it was really through the the climate organizing with Chloe. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I came came to feel like it was necessary to to lean into electoral politics. So Chloe had Chloe founded the fossil fuel divestment campaign at Harvard, which turned into about a decade long fight with over seventy thousand folks eventually getting on board and and finally pressuring Harvard to take its like something like fifty billion dollar endowment out of fossil fuel companies. Yeah. But it was in that in that organizing work and kind of being part of this growing climate movement across the United States, across the world, um, that I, Chloe and I, and a lot of us who were involved with it, sort of came to realize like we we're building this tremendous amount of people power, but nothing's really getting done from it. You know, yeah. we're not passing any kind of meaningful climate legislation at the national level. And that, and that's because of electoral politics. It's because of who we have in office. And in large part, it's because of, you know, the, the small towns, like the ones that Chloe and I grew up in, um, where, where climate, you know, climate champions have not had any chance of, of getting elected. And so we're not getting, the majorities that we need to pass that kind of legislation. So that's what led us to really dive dive into electoral politics. Now, Canyon, most people when they get disenfranchised, you know, when you when you work so hard to achieve something, and then you realize that that the machine will not stop due to the pebble you put in front of its wheel. <laughs> most people, when they realize that. What they do is they go on social media and just post shit all the time. Like, ah, oh, this is nothing's going to happen. This is stupid. And they get, yeah. they get bitter and jaded and then don't do anything or maybe don't vote forever. But you decide at that point, you're going to be a political strategist. You're like, you know what? I am going, maybe I'm not going to run this 
I'm not going to run for office, but I'm going to get involved with this. I'm going to learn the strategies necessary, the game necessary to run someone's campaign. Did you, is that what you majored in at Harvard? Or is that something that kind of uh, grew out of that situation with the climate divestment group? Yeah, it's, it's not something that I studied in school. Um, yeah, I got to, I did get to work really closely with a guy named Marshall Gans was one of my professors who mm-hmm. taught a course on community organizing. And, and um, that was when I really got into fossil fuel divestment work. Mm-hmm. But he had also been the person behind kind of the, the grassroots strategy of Obama's 08 campaign. So had a little bit of um, a little bit of that kind of background and context, but really it was um, it, in in large part. I, I graduated in 2015, and yeah. it was right after Bernie had announced his presidential campaign. Yeah, um, and Bernie just really appealed to me as somebody who was willing to call out the bullcrap, um, go up against the big corporations and the big money, and the you know the democratic establishment and political establishment writ large and try and just like yeah do things different put climate front and center um and so i got to go and work on on his campaign um which was a super transformative experience and then chloe just had the vision to as a 25 year old throw her hat in the ring and and run for office Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You have to have incredibly thick skin to do that. I can only imagine the first time you went and knocked on a door canyon. You're going, you're going into wherever they sent you. Like, hey, canyon, go knock on a couple doors for Bernie. And I'm sure. And put your hair up. Right. Damn it. Put, your, put, that, put that long hair into a man bun. And then I want you to knock on a door with your man bun. And I want you to tell this person here about how great Bernie is. Now, I'm sure maybe you got lucky. And the first door you knocked on, the person's like, oh, yeah, I love Bernie. He's great. But you probably had someone that said, I don't want that. And socialist, like you have to have incredibly thick skin to knock on doors when it comes to politics. Yeah, yeah, you've got to be willing to to just let let some of it slide off, <laughs> not, <laughs> did, not be too too distraught by uh, a handful of doors slammed in your face. Do you remember the first bad door knocking encounter that you had working or volunteering for the campaign? Gosh, no, I think I blacked them all out. (laughs) (laughs) You probably would have to. I mean, really, if you let that stuff bother you, you'd never be able to get anything done. But so it goes well for you. Um, It didn't go well for Bernie. I mean, well, he's still a U.S. senator, but didn't quite Mm -hmm. achieve the, the high office he was trying to attain in that campaign. But at some point, you graduate in 2015. You work on Bernie's campaign, and then your friend Chloe, your friend from school, calls you and is like, hey, I'm going to run for for state representative, um, 
in a very rural uh, part of Maine, a very rural, very Republican part of Maine as a Democrat, as a 20-something-year-old woman, and I want you to run my campaign. Were you like, I'm in? Or did it take some, some like, you know what, I'll think about it and I'll get back to you on Tuesday? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I thought she was a little bit, a little bit nuts. I she had actually just been down to visit me in North Carolina like two weeks before that, and she kind of like flew. You know, we're we're always talking about politics, yeah. And, organizing, and she was kind of like, you know, maybe, you know, maybe we should run for office. And I was like, oh, Chloe, like, yeah, but, <laughs> but certainly not for like at least a couple of cycles. We're <laughs> we're way too young. I was twenty four. She was twenty five. Right at that point. Um, and yeah, I'm a little bit embarrassed that that, that was my uh, response at the time. But then she's like, yeah, she just decides to go for it in the oldest county by age, um, in the, the oldest state in the country, this, you know, 25 year old leftist um, um, climate activist. So yeah, I had to, I had to mull it over a little bit. I can't imagine in retrospect, not doing it. Um, I was choosing between that and and what was going to be a pretty high profile state Senate campaign outside of Charlotte at the time. Um, I remember calling up one of my mentors, Julia, um, at the time, and she was like, go and work with your friend, go and work with your friend. And that was the best advice I could have gotten. I can imagine, though, when she said that to you, you must have been like, Oh, wait, you're talking about running now? I thought we were talking about, you know, 15, 20 years from now. Really? Like now? <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, I was shocked. And it turned down what you know. I mean, that's, you know, a, a race outside of Charlotte, candidate you know, an area you know, just to go yeah. to Maine, which I'm sure outside of Chloe, you knew very little about the the area that she would be running in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I was getting a little bit of tired of, of losing, having worked on Bernie's campaign and have, <laughs> having worked on another local state Senate campaign in the 2016 cycle. And, you know, Chloe had the brilliant idea to choose a, a, a district with a 16 point Republican advantage to run in. I was like, oh, God, <laughs> I can't keep doing this. <laughs> I, I would, it's like, you're like, God, I'm I'm 0 for 2 on this one. And now I'm going to be 0 <laughs> I'm, for 3. I, I cannot keep eating dirt every darn race. <laughs> so, okay. So here you are. You're like, why not? I'm 0 for 2. Let's swing for the fences. And if I can knock this one out of the park, that puts my batting average over 300. And, and that's not too bad. What? You're doing this. Once you decided this is going to happen, you get up to Maine and you see what's happening ahead of you. What was the plan? How'd you put a plan together to make this thing work? Yeah. I mean, so, so much of it drawed on what we learned doing climate organizing um, at the grassroots level in college, as well as, you know, very volunteer centered work on um, the prior campaigns. Um, and, you know, the heart, the heart of that for us was basically pulling out big, big flip charts of paper and visioning out kind of the whole year and who like 
um, who we could draw draw on and really centering conversations face-to-face with people where we didn't show up with kind of the traditional like clipboard and script, uh, but instead really just focused on listening to what was on people's minds um, and going and talking to folks who hadn't been contacted by the Democratic campaign since Obama's 2008 campaign in a lot of campaign in a lot of cases or um, had never been contacted by a Democrat period. So this was a very grassroots idea. This was touch as many voters as you can meet as many yeah. people as you can and see how it works out. Yep. What was the response you got? When you started this whole thing off, you're going to knock on doors, you're going to meet people, Chloe, you're going to have to get in front of people. What was the initial response that you were getting to that? Um, well, we actually, we had a primary campaign to begin with. Mm-hmm. So um, so for for that, we were talking largely to, to Democrats. Yeah. Um, and so that was a good way to kind of ease ease into things get a lot of you know talk to a lot of like-minded folks get a lot of volunteers on board just by going door to door um we had no idea where we stood going into the june primary because there's no polling at the at the state house level right there um she managed to win with 80 percent of the vote and break record turnout by 40 percent in a in an off year in in, um, a midterm um so that was a huge boost and then and then we get into the general um and you know the the responses were really varied a lot of folks they slam the door as soon as as they hear your party affiliation Mm -hmm. Uh, they're just not interested in the conversation but a really, really surprising amount of folks were were willing to just have a conversation. And I think people were disarmed by not having an agenda shoved down their throat um, by, by just going in with a listening mindset and by being willing to stay, like really stay in the conversation, even when we were hearing things that we like really disagreed with in a a lot of cases and you know like would sometimes have a pretty emotional response to but being willing to just hear where the other person is coming from and try to empathize with their life experiences and perspective you must have been relieved when the primary was over and you're like whoo finally won one i got i got a win (laughs) oh it was the best day ever i'll never forget it (laughs) you know it's interesting in the movie it shows you doing a lot of running that's kind of you take your solace in running do you feel that training during a campaign like that did that help you stay sane and grounded oh yeah absolutely It it was so so crucial um it was actually that spring 2018 um, that Forrest, Forrest and I trained for and, and ran our first 100-mile race together. Um, and, yeah, for me, I mean, it's just r- running is kind of what keeps keeps the cup full to be able to, to really devote myself, you know, in the case of campaigns, to, to working seven days a week, just like pouring all of myself into something in that way, um, being able to get out there and 
be in my body, be out in the woods and just kind of let the, let the mind unwind. Um, I think that that's, yeah, that was, that was a huge part of what allowed me to, to, um, to organize in the way that we did. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and to see some success. A uh, Spoiler alert, everybody, she wins at the end. I just want to point that out there. Uh, <laughs> it would be a very boring documentary and short film uh, if she lost. Uh, but but one thing that I wanted to talk to you about, because I think, I think ultra running and the community, the ultra running community is a great example of what America really is. And what I mean by that is when you cut through all the bullshit and you cut through all of the separation that I, I believe truly is artificial. When you mm-hmm. see people when they're running side by side on the trail or you know someone's in front of some other or whatever, you share some miles with someone, whether it's during a race, whether it's during training, when you are sharing that suffering, everything everything fades to the side except the common goal that you have. You know, I, I you don't see people getting pissed off about politics at a trail race and refusing to run miles with somebody because they realize that there's more, they have more in common. There's more things that, that they enjoy together that bring them together than separate them. And you realize that we are so similar in so many ways and the ways we're being told that, uh, we're different and 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 we're and the other side is bad don't really exist we all agree on mostly 90% of things it's just the 10% we're being convinced is these big mountains that they're not but yeah. did did you experience that did you see once you kind of approached it that way a community aspect a listening aspect that the walls kind of came down yeah, hundred percent. It was so much. It was so so much about just connecting through shared values and personal personal stories, and just like showing up and looking looking each other in the eye and having a positive human interaction. And exactly exactly what you're saying. Just um, I think I think it gave pretty much all of us who who did the work of, of having those conversations, a lot of, a lot of hope for a way forward and just kind of like faith, faith, a little bit more faith in humanity, because I think it's easy. Like I'm certainly guilty of this, of, um, kind of building up these narratives of the other, the other side in our heads that like you're alluding to are, are like largely false. You know, obviously there's some, really extremists and, mm-hmm. and outliers on, on both every, every end of, of the spectrum. But yeah. um, if you're willing to show up and really stay in the conversation with someone, you realize that that's just another human with some different life experiences on the other side of the conversation. And by and large, we, we have so much shared in common, common hopes, common fears, anxieties. Um, yeah. It's funny you say life experiences. Cause I really do think that when it comes to people's opinions and political views, they're shaped by our, our, our life experiences. You know, we're, we're, I, I was raised differently than you were, you know? And so my life experiences may lead me to some different ideas than, than what you have. But what drives mm-hmm. me crazy is this idea, this narrative that's being pushed and, and both sides do it, that there is a, 
a supreme life experience that trumps all others, that uh, people with this type of life experience have the ultimate life experience and therefore everything that they think and everything that that they believe is in fact the ultimate universal truths where the other side mm-hmm. in their life experiences well they're just misguided and and, and, and ridiculous um and, and you're right though it is that 10% difference that are that are exaggerated and having those conversations with people and you realize like oh I I wow I I really like this person even though I've yeah. been told I'm not supposed to like this person I really like this person Yeah that 90% is so huge like that is uh, it's it's a shame that our media and political landscape and social media landscape is, is such that it it really goes off on the 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 places where we're divided because um yeah it's not it's it's leading i think our country to a really dangerous place where rather than seeing each other as you know good neighbors and honest people who care about a lot not all but a lot of the same things we're seeing each other as you know um you know george is voting for trump because he's racist and has no empathy and you know uh right you know the mexicans be sent back over the border and put in cages and Ganyan's voting for biden or bernie because he's you know a socialist and wants to uh you know right wants to bring some crazy draconian rule down upon us and it's just like these ridiculous and he wants to kill babies and it's these <laughs> these ridiculous narratives that um are just like totally totally missing the the mark and the human on the other side well and i think local politics the smaller the district the smaller the politics the more effective and i think the more reality you see i think if you mm-hmm. want to see government working at its best you go to like the city level and you see a city mayor who the 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 mayor of a of a, of a city like where i live in clarksville guy's great guy his name is joe pitts um he's a mayor of a hundred of a town of 160,000 people you can't hide you know, they're, they're, people don't just see you on television. They see you at the grocery store. They see you walking down the street. They see you at parent-teacher conferences with your, with your kids. And so you're not this figure on a television screen or a picture on social media. You are someone that I'm shopping for groceries with. And I can say like, you know, we really need to work on this. There's no place to hide in that. And you actually can physically interact with that person and they are a part of the community. I think as you get it, as you scale it bigger and bigger and bigger, most of us will never be in the same room, the same 20-mile radius as the President of the United States. They are these these larger-than-life symbols that exist only on screens for us. And there's no accountability there. They'll never be accountable to us because we're nothing. They don't even... There's no way, there's no connection there. But with Chloe and the campaign that Chloe was running, I mean, the first district that she served was what, 30,000 people, I think? Yeah, even smaller than that. Yeah. So she really um, got to just like like actually interact and, and be seen by people. Totally. And yeah, that's, uh, that's the beauty of local and state level level politics and so much happens 
happens at the state level. Um, and it's it's really a shame that we aren't more engaged um, with with state level politics. Well, because there's not money in it. And there's no, I mean, you don't, you don't see the, uh, there, there's no, there's no television channels dedicated to telling you how stupid the other yeah. person is at a state or even a, a, a city level. Um, but the, the great thing about this is you pull off the insurmountable odds. Everybody was probably telling you, hey, here comes another loss for Canyon. Oh boy, get ready. <laughs> yeah. Old loser Canyon. He's, he's going to, he's going to be 0 for 3 on this one. But Chloe wins. And it's it's just by like a handful of votes too, but she wins and she goes on to represent that district um, for the you know for the state of Maine and actually starts introducing some actual legislation. There's something that she proposes to, about a, a green new deal for incorporating uh, workers and all that fun stuff. It actually passes and goes into law. Like that must have been a whirlwind for you to see that success. And then to see your friend actually doing something. Yeah, it, it was incredible. Yeah, I, it, was, it was hard to process. I mean, it, the election was in November and um, all of the legislation had to be submitted um, like midway through January, I think. So it was, it was a whirlwind just going straight into it. And then you decide to take a break and you go home. And you you decide to do the scar, don't you? After all that, <laughs> yes, yeah. The the Smokies Traverse, um, formerly formerly known as the Scar, ends then through the the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. It's such a such a cool run. Because you've been doing a lot of running, you were training, you did a hundred miler through through all that, but you were in really good shape when the campaign was all done. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd I'd fallen off the horse a little bit towards the the latter days, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I was in it and I was ready to ready to dive back into some serious training. So you do that, you, you you're 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 doing your running, getting your getting your legs back under you. You go to do scar, and you were trying to set the FKT when you did scar, were you not? I was and and came up came up well short in my in my first go. <laughs> well, you can only win so much, Canyon. You know, <laughs> you want a campaign. It's not all going to go your way. But how did that whole experience go? Being able to take a breather and just go spend seventy two miles in the mountains. It was re- it was really special. Um, yeah, it was a completely different experience than you know a hundred mile race where you've got aid stations and amazing volunteers and and crew and all of that it's um you know 70 72 miles point to point with only one one extraction point if things go awry somewhere somewhere close to the middle and yeah you're just out there and some of the more some of the more remote and rugged terrain on the east coast mm-hmm. uh, just beautiful starts out with a really really long climb about 12 miles worth of of climbing started out in the dark pre pre dawn the whippoorwill going crazy singing singing me out and then just got up onto the high high ridge lines for sunrise and looking down into the most beautiful valleys that i i reckon hardly see a human soul these days and mm-hmm. um yeah past a, a handful of 
bears, two two sets of um, wild boar, um, and just just an incredible experience being out there with all you need for for the entire distance and self self um, yeah unsupported. Um, yeah, really, really special. You said something, and they 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 have this quote in the movie where you said something about how ultra running is viewed as a very selfish endeavor, but you don't view it that way. And I don't want to, I don't want to steal your thunder. Do you remember the quote from the movie when you talk about that? Mm, not, not verbatim, but yeah, I mean, it's, um, yeah, it's to the fact of, you know, I, for me, it's, the long distance running is something that makes me feel deeply connected to the land that I'm traveling through and to myself, to my, my body and my soul and spirit and to, you know, other, other people that I share these experiences with oftentimes. Um, and you know, that that's the kind of stuff that we need so much more of and, in our lives and, and in the world. So you're right. Yeah. And I, I thought it was so beautiful and so poignant because I, I mean, I, I say it all the time. It is a self. I, I look at it as a selfish endeavor. It takes me away from my family and whatever. And we've talked about it. I, I, I talked to uh, he's a runner and a musician. His name is Chris Fox. And we were talking about that as well, but he said, you know, if we do these things, they better make us a better person. Um, if we, if we're taking this much time away from our family and friends, these activities better make us better people and and more often than not trail and ultra running makes us a, a better person um but you're but it's so true what you say yeah. in that it's what we're talking about earlier with the community aspect of it you know at a trail race everybody is there for the common goal and the differences melt away with the miles and all the all that bonds you is the unity of of that common goal, those shared miles, and all the things that you love together? Um, which you're right. I think ev- if everybody could do that together, if everybody could could experience that community, um, the world would be a better place. Yeah, yeah. I th- I think that that's the kind of stuff that that allows me to show up for the organizing work in the way that I do and. And I'm, I'm sure for you being able to show up uh, up for your family as a, as you know a full full alive energetic loving human being right you know, that's that's the kind of stuff that that we have to seek out in our lives in my opinion well and the connection too you talk about the connection to the earth that you're running over the the trails that you're on the the mountains that you're that you're traversing that connection i don't think we get that connection enough canyon i think we're kind of sterilized a lot because we live a very we're in our house we -hmm. get in our car we go to our office and all of those places are very sterile from nature they may have a fake plant in the corner (laughs) (laughs) they got got the little little fake looking plant that you got at hobby lobby with your coupon for about 30 dollars and that's (laughs) but it's just not a real connection and i think as human beings we kind of need that time to, to be amongst uh, the, the living things of nature. Oh man. Yeah. I think that could be, that could be it's, uh, it's a whole own long conversation, but I think there's so, so much there, you know, we've, we we're just the animals at, at the, at the core, you right. know, we've been 
we've been out there for thousands and thousands of, of years. It's like, you know, these, these inputs, the, the sense and the feels and, you know, all of this that, that comes in, um, traveling, traveling through the woods on, on trail. Um, I think that there's something like really, really kind of deep core elemental that, um, that's a connection to those thousands of years living amongst it, um, that we're just like amputating away, um, in large part in our, in our current society by, by not being out there in in relationship with the land right like it's, 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 it fulfills a deep need that, that we were a part i i think it's uh, many people have said it but whoever said it that i remember saying at first was alan watts when he said we don't come into this world we come out of this world we are a part of it mm. you know i mean the 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 yeah. the particles that that make us up have been in existence since the beginning of time and have been here, you know, been other things, you know, you just didn't, you, it's not like Star Trek. When you're born, they beam you up, they beam you in from some other, from, from another ship. And yeah, then you're we just, came out of the muck. <laughs> exactly. We came out. We didn't come into this world. We came out of this world. And you look at all the time that, you know, human beings spent as, as hunter gatherers and how you would cover massive amounts of, of distance in a single day just to survive and you forage here and you forage there and you got to move to survive. And I think that for so many of us, the running in the woods, the trail and the ultra running fulfills that primal need for that connection to nature. And I think too, one thing that even running, even if you're not able to, because where I'm at, if I'm going to run trails, I've got eight total miles of trails separated over two parks in my neighborhood. If I want to go long, I have to go far. I have to drive an hour, hour and a half in my car. So a lot of my running, I do it on the rural roads, you know, in, in the backwoods of the county. And so, but even if I'm not on dirt, the act of running especially if you're doing that long run, it quiets the mind in a way that I think is really necessary. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. We're, I mean, we're, we're animals not meant to hunch over a desk or a computer or phone screen for, for hours of a day. And, um, yeah, I, I find, I find the same thing that, um, you know, like sometimes I'll, I'll listen to podcasts or audiobooks while I run, but I've, I find a lot of the time my mind just wants to process and think and, and then eventually oftentimes just, just flow and, and be present. And I think that that's some of the most powerful medicine. Oh yeah. There, you know, too, you know, too Canyon when you hit it, like when you're, you have runs where you need a podcast or you need some music cause you're just not there. But those runs where you hit that state of flow where every step is effortless and maybe you only get that for two or three miles, maybe 10 miles out of your, out of your run. But that moment yeah. there's, there's beauty in that there. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's this amazing feeling that you you don't always get, and so you cherish it when you get it. And then when you finish that run, you're like, oh, I need to try and get back to that world. <laughs> Heck yeah. <laughs> so yeah. all that to say, Canyon, as we got off track just a little bit, 
you scar doesn't go well but you finish and then you're thinking okay i'll find something else to do and then chloe calls you again and is like you know what time for another campaign because i want to run for state senate which is an even bigger uh district to represent so now you've got now canyon who's got two losses and a primary win and a general election win this is the tiebreaker canyon this campaign is the tiebreaker for you to see if you're gonna be you know three for five or 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 whatever she calls you and says hey it's time to get back on the trail again how did that feel yeah man um gosh that feels like so long ago i can hardly remember (laughs) (laughs) only a few years ago right um yeah 2019 we started started working on it and you know it felt it felt really exciting it felt pretty pretty daunting and scary to you know you have to vacate that state house seat to run for the state senate and um she was going up against the highest ranking republican in the whole the whole state government of maine the the senate minority leader yeah um Dana Dow, who was just kind of a larger, larger than life figure in the county. You know, his family had been in politics dating back into the mid 1900s and Dow Furniture, you know, was just like this huge, huge business on the, on the highway. Um, and he hadn't lost the general election, um, I think ever dating back to, um, 1992 when he first entered politics um and so it was just this huge uphill up, uphill battle it was scary um we knew we were biting off something something way bigger and you know going up against kind of the you know the the big boss <laughs> right because you know this guy's like he's not worried about some young environmental woman you know who, who <laughs> oh you got lucky in that house seat He's been riding the game since the 1990s. The last thing he's worried about is her. Again, a monumental task, much like so many of us, when we tow that starting line of that goal race that we're not sure if we can finish or not, a monumental task. I'm sure at some point you're probably like, can we pick another person to run against? There's got to be someone who's who's probably a little more vulnerable uh, than this. But how did that, that campaign go? compared to the original state house campaign yeah i mean in a, in a lot of ways it was pretty similar just um just on a bigger scale um getting more people in the mix um it was 2020 so obviously our our plan for this grassroots campaign sending tons of volunteers door to door to uh talk face to face with people was massively upended by covid hitting um we stopped stopped campaigning immediately and you know like like everyone kind of hunkered down and um tried to figure out what the heck was going on but after a few days of shutdown we had the realization that we had over 100 volunteers already signed up to volunteer with campaign and we had access to the voter file which has every registered voters um address and phone most of the phone numbers um and so we piloted a program um with a few volunteers just calling everyone over the age of 65 who's living alone in the district to 
to check up on folks, offer a phone number to call if, if they needed anything, and connect folks with, with food pantries. We offered grocery deliveries and would pick up prescriptions for people, give rides to the doctor um, or what have you. And it turned into this huge, huge mutual aid campaign. Um, we made over 13,000 calls to seniors across the district and about 200 people ended up um, volunteering and either making calls or giving rides over the course of it. Um, so it turned into this really beautiful embodiment of, I think, what what community organizing can be at its best, just like pivoting and, and serving the needs of the community. I can only imagine you, Canyon, taking someone elderly to go get their medicine, you know, drive them there, drop them off, and you go, hey, by the way, just remember, Chloe's running. Just don't forget. Chloe, Chloe Maxman, just remember that name, M-A-X-M-I-N. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, the, yeah, the politics part of it was weird. We, when we started started off with it, we, like, you know, we didn't, we didn't want it to be, yeah, political because it just that right that felt weird it felt felt icky um so we didn't we the first week or so we didn't didn't mention that we were associated with a campaign um but then some folks started we started getting some feedback that folks thought that they were like getting getting scammed or that it was something <laughs> something fishy without any kind of identifier of like what kind of group we are so right uh, so we did start identifying ourselves just uh so that we had kind of a legitimate body right. that we were attached to <laughs> making that small talk and like oh hey oh yeah okay great yeah weather's great hey you heard of chloe <laughs> <laughs> but that you you really took a bad op- a bad situation you know you've really had some some really shitty odds thrown at you canyon you really you really have you get this big challenge you got to take on the guy who's been doing it since the 90s and then covid hits and you can't implement your plan what worked for you the last time around you can't you can't play that game so you have to pivot really quickly and turn it into something else entirely but then again here comes election night and did i'm not i'm not really sure about the politics of maine was there polling data at that point do you see polling data when someone's running for state senate because there's less the districts are bigger because there's less state senators you represent a bigger district of people were you able to see polling data leading up to election night or were you going in blind yeah we were going in blind (laughs) you have no idea You, you you have no idea once the polls close, if you are going to be slaughtered or if you're going to, win, I mean, that's got to be just absolutely nerve wracking. Or is it freeing, not knowing and just being able to accept, you know, that you don't know? 100% the former. <laughs> Completely nerve wracking. <laughs> Anxiety through the roof. Because, <laughs> you know, if there's polling, you go like, well, I mean, we've got a pretty good chance. You had absolutely no idea. Did you go out for a run on election day to to to, to kill some nerves? No, uh, I I spent spent the whole day from from dawn to to well after dark with with Chloe driving around each polling place and standing out in the s- snow and freezing wind and uh, 
yeah greeting folks at the polls so you do your thing you're a you're a barrel of nerves you are just like oh god i don't even know if i wasted the last six months of my life to get slaughtered yeah. by the guy whose family owns the mat who owns the furniture stores in town <laughs> um so the results start coming in how did that go oh it was it was so intense um basically we just get an email or phone call one by one from each of the town clerks once they'd tallied up their votes and they'd they'd read it off to us and pretty much from like from the get-go from like the first couple of towns coming in we could tell that it was gonna be razor 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 thin margins Mm -hmm. um you know you go in hoping that hoping that we're gonna like win in a landslide you know (laughs) even though we have no idea if it's still yeah um so it was a roller coaster ride starting at like 10 p.m and not not uh having the final results until i think pretty close to 1 a.m you see the what was the final do you remember the margin of victory I think we won by 800 votes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Out of a out of a, a representative area of what like 60,000 people? Uh, about 40,000. Okay, 40,000 people. Okay. 40,000 people, 800 votes. She is now winning again and you're like, "Man, oh man. I may not be able to do these massive presidential campaigns, but I know how to run a state campaign." That Heck is- yeah. <laughs> hey, <all right. laughs> Hi. I'm Canyon Woodward. Would you like to run for a state uh, elected office because man, I can get you there. I guarantee you. <laughs> that had to that had to be great though. That had to just actually be a, a a relief and I'm sure you probably slept the day after, or maybe it was the day after the day after election day, when you crashed after that, I am sure you crashed hard. Oh, yeah, you bet. Oh, my gosh. Talk about sleep deprivation. <laughs> <laughs> and the cool thing is your brother, Forrest, he's a, he's a filmmaker. And so he was able to chronicle, you know, the Chloe's first race, her second race, you running, you training, all to make this beautiful short film called Rural Runners, which I, I thought was a really cool way of looking at not only trail and ultra running, but running to serve your community in elected office. Um, what, when can the public see this? This Because I, I got a link to it and was able to watch it before the interview. Is it available for everybody to watch at this point, Canyon? Yeah, it is now. We we just released it on on Vimeo. Um, folks can go to dirtroadorganizing.org, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's embedded there, which is which is Chloe and I, Chloe and I's nonprofit where we support other folks doing rural organizing work. Um, or you can just Google rural runners, and I'm sure it'll come up for for Vimeo. All right, what do you do now? What, what, what's on um, your agenda? You, you got some free time. What's life like yeah. for Canyon Woodward? Yeah, still doing tons of running. Um, I, I got to go over to Europe and race UTMB this past past summer, which was an incredible experience. Um, 100 miler, which starts over in France. Yeah. And I'm trying to make it back there this year. So in the heat of training and... Um, pouring a lot into into dirt road organizing um 
that that C4 that Chloe and I just mm-hmm. just started um, with the the hope of getting a lot of Chloe's elected all over. So, yeah, for anyone listening, run run for office. It's you know, it's not as it's not as out of reach as as folks make it seem. And we really need more good people willing to to toss their hat in the ring, whether that's for local school board or or for state senate or somewhere in between or or above um yeah all right canyon be honest when you see chloe's name pop up on your caller id do you have like just for a moment you're like i don't know if i want to answer this because i don't know if i want to go back to me <laughs> and have to what run is, another campaign next? right <laughs> <laughs> oh man no she she's a, such a visionary you know i feel it's it's a little corny but i just feel feel so so lucky for our for our friendship over you know a decade plus um being being best friends and just like such deep co-conspirators um and getting to you know she she's the one with the vision she's the one being like all right we should just go rabble rouse the heck out of harvard and and get them to tell them what to do with their money uh or we should we should run for office and then i just get to jump in and and support along the way and it's been a really really fun ride i can't wait to hear what she thinks up next well (laughs) i'm just gonna tell you right now i hope your brother forrest is there with the camera when the phone rings and chloe decides to run for governor of maine and you're just like oh hey chloe how are you governor oh fuck (laughs) 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 just get that i love it (laughs) this is a great chat canyon thank you for taking some time and and uh chatting about not only the movie but running and just you know all the other avenues we went down thank you so much ryan i really enjoyed it all right go check out that video you can check the short film the short documentary called rural runners just google it You'll find it. You will enjoy it. And go check out theadventurejogger.com. That's our website. We've got back episodes, gear. Until next week, everybody. We are 100% listener supported. You can make a monthly pledge on our Patreon page. Just search The Adventure Jogger on Patreon or go to theadventurejogger.com. Join the community on Facebook and Instagram by searching The Adventure Jogger. And subscribe to The Adventure Jogger wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single episode. 